Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech Asia Pacific series. As in Voice of Fintech podcast so far, here you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs, corporate innovators, investors, ecosystem hub leaders from or close to the world of fintech. Asia Pacific series will be hosted by amazing hosts based in the region, speaking to the leaders from Asia Pacific. Here is another one hosted by Tanya. Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the Voice of Fintech Asia-Pacific series with me, Tanya Bharadwaj. Today, we're chatting with Manish Patel. He's the founder and CEO of MSwipe, one of India's leading mobile POS, or point-of-sale merchant acquirers. MSwipe empowers small and medium-sized businesses to accept all kinds of payments, be it cards, wallets, or contactless. It has close to 1.4 million points of acceptance and processes something like $5 billion worth of payments annually. Hey, Manish, welcome to the podcast. I'm super stoked to be talking to you today, especially because you're making your podcast debut with us. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it and giving me this opportunity to, to learn how to express myself on this very popular medium. Thank you. <laughs> super, great. So I thought we could begin by really taking a walk down memory lane, talking a little bit about your background. When I was researching about you, I think what really leaped out to me was sort of various hats that you've done. Uh, you were homeschooled in East Africa. You studied to become a doctor. Instead, you set up this alcohol beverage distribution business. And here you are now, a seasoned veteran fintech founder. Talk to us a little bit about how you ended up doing what you're doing today. I think the multiple hats comes from what, what I was exposed to early childhood. Right? My, my, my parents were settled in, in Nairobi in East Africa and my dad owned the circus and I was never really formally schooled. And I guess uh, watching all the clowns do all their acts has, has made me do the same in life. But yes, it's been a fun journey. God's been super. had the opportunity to pursue exactly what interested me during different stages of my career. I, I graduated as a physician from med school in Mumbai and my heart was always in, in commerce and decided to pursue business. I set up, MSWIP was my fourth startup. I, I set up, my first business was, was an alcohol distribution business, right? And it, it happened quite by chance because in my second year of med school, we're all obligated to, to do a research project in pharmacology. And for, for some strange reason, the, the accused topic that I chose was the somniferous effect of humulus lupulus. Right? And that is, that took me to a brewery. And then what fascinated me was, was the whole process of, of how alcoholic beverages, in particular beer, was made. And one thing led to another. And, and I landed up in, in the alcohol distribution business uh, a few years later. That was my first, first startup. And the longest one I've run, I, I set up a medical claims transfer, a medical claims processing business for US-based physicians with, with a med school buddy of mine, which I ended up uh, selling as well. And uh, I took a few years off and, and set up uh, India's largest vineyard before before payment industry fascinated me. And, and here I am. So let's talk about that payment industry fascination then. When did the idea really uh, come to you and... When you started out, what was the problem that you were looking to solve? The problem actually thrust itself on me, right? I had set up uh, as, as downstream expansion for, for our alphabet business. We set up some specialty wine and beer retail stores. And that's when I first encountered my issue with uh, or my problem with 
payments as a retailer. We wanted to accept accept card payments at our stores, and I was shocked when Union Bank, which was my banker at that time, was the largest, one of the largest nationalized banks in the country, didn't even offer this as a service. And the space was dominated by uh, by four of the largest banks in the country. And it didn't really take a long while for me to figure out after speaking to these these banks that they were not really interested in selling uh, or providing a payment service. You know, all they were really interested in was uh, providing a 360-degree banking service of which payment acceptance was. I decided to research this a, a, a little more. And you know, the clear gap that I found were, number one, on the technology side. The banks that, that provided this service were using... Uh, very expensive antiquated technology number two the last mile network was all the stn based they take a genius to figure out that that mobile telephony had already eclipsed fixed line telephony in the country and any any service that relied on fixed line was not scalable and lastly it was just pure data any which way i cut the data at that time it was uh, number of post terminals to, to cards number of post terminals to atms number of post terminals to population or just absolute post terminals in the country. India had, had almost just the same, or just a little uh, short of the number of terminals in Turkey. It, that blew my mind. Something, something clearly amiss. And just decided to to give this a shot. So I, I incorporated the company, set up a small uh, engineering team to come up with our first product, and about twelve months later, launched our service. Uh-huh. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. So you had this idea, you knew the gap that you wanted to fill. I think a lot of our listeners would be interested to know about how did you go about validating your product market fit, or picking the right team because you, you weren't a technologist and also raising capital. Yeah, uh, product market fit, you know, thankfully for me, I've been in, uh, in B2C business uh, for a long time. We had lots of customers that were, that were largely you know, restaurants and bars and, and hotels. And I, I spoke to, to many of them. The problems that I had faced were real. And many of them echoed that the problem wasn't that acute in the big cities. But the problem got really acute the moment you left the cities, you know, the tier one cities and started going to tier two and tier three cities. To, to validate, just uh, to be very honest, just did uh, a short, I think about two or three day, two or three day research myself where I, where I drove down from Dunasik and Mandru just stopped and spoke to retailers and restaurants and, and gas stations and, and the likes. And the response or, or the, the problem was very apparent. Simple things but did not offer wireless post terminals. Everything was fixed line. Mm-hmm. You can imagine the moment you left Mumbai, there was no semblance of, of fixed line. Right? It cost an arm and a leg just to get a phone connection. The other one was most of these terminals that were being deployed at that time needed. Retailers have said that ultimately this is a tool to do business with. If if it's not reliable just because there's a power outage which is quite frequent or in the monsoon and I can't accept payments, what, what, what good is it? And so these were some key takeaways. The popular notion at that point in time was that merchants didn't want to accept digital payments. Right? They, they just wanted to accept cash to avoid tax. All of the some of it was valid, but, but most of it wasn't. My 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 conversations with clearly indicated that because the customer wanted to pay by method A versus method B that the retailer or uh, retailer wanted. It was it was largely inaccessibility and lack of distribution of these of these uh, products and services that that was the, the bigger problem. So just decided to to build a product that was uh, made for India. Mm-hmm. Uh, that addressed 
all of these problems complained about. So, Manish, I'm, I'm actually curious to know, nine years on, M-Swipe is a full-stack fintech player. And like you yourself said, that at a time that you were starting out, digital adoption was at its at at a nascent stage. Nine years down the line, we're now in a situation where, of course, there's been tremendously fast adoption. We've also seen the pandemic, which has accelerated that. So if I was to ask you that from the time that you were trying to solve this problem, how has that problem changed in 2021? Well, the problems, the problems changed significantly, actually. And given the progress that the, the fintech ecosystem has made most of the problems that we started out with earlier are no longer problems. Connectivity is ubiquitous, uh, you know, it's everywhere, it's not a problem. Technology has has progressed to an extent now that we're on the cusp of, of being able to access on mobile phones, probably because you can, you would be able to, you know, tap your car on your merchant's phone or a similar device. And so from that perspective, you know, technology in this industry is evolved. When, when we started, it was just cards. That was the only and the dominant way to, to pay digital. UPI came along, but before that, we had wallets, we had ATM and MobiQuick, and doing, doing a wonderful job of, of ensuring that the mobile phone could be used as a payment instrument uh, in place of a card, uh, which is more a store of value, whether it was, whether it was a wallet account or whatever. So, yeah, the original problems are all gone. Yeah. Uh, the whole new set of problems. New set of problems for the merchant is, you know, the 20 ways in which customers want to pay. I just want to get paid and I want a, a simple, easy way to make sense of it all. There are newer technologies that, that keep evolving. How do acquirers that spend so much time and capital building a network continue to evolve, especially in a, in a market like India that is that generally doesn't pay very well for these services. Problems, problems have changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, I guess that's what keeps uh, innovative companies in business. Okay. Then let's talk about some of that innovation because fintechs like yourselves, uh, especially in our country, have expanded to other financial segments beyond their sort of core and initial offerings to keep up with the times, to drive monetization, uh, etc. You recently sort of launched an industry-first product called the Bank Box Acceptance Solution that essentially enables merchants to process all debit and credit card transactions without having to incur any rental or, uh, you know, MDR or merchant discount rate. Talk to us a little bit more about that and what's the acceptance been like? Well, the acceptance is, uh, has been spectacular. It, it now constitutes about 60% of our monthly signups within about, about six months of launch. So that's doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we've we've been able to engineer a better better return on capital proposition for our customers. But typically, before bank box, merchants merchants were the plans that were offered by acquirers like us were, was generally a three-tier, three-tier structure. There'd be some sign-up fee to get to get an account opened with, uh, with an acquirer. There'd be monthly fees for for use of platform and other services like, like settlement and, and help desk and support. And then, of course, there'd be transaction fees, which would be NDRs. And during the pandemic, we spoke to a lot of our merchants and, and the, the total cost of ownership of acquiring solution that was card-based was clearly a problem that, that many small businesses spoke about. And we decided to do something about it. The innovation that, that, that we did over it was, was combining our acquiring platform with our issuing platform to, to deliver the bank box in this product. 
typically a merchant can accept payments on our terminals routinely. These funds would be settled into a bank account of the merchant's choice. Instead, the merchant can opt to settle a sum or some or all of that into into our prepaid card. For everything that the, that the merchant settles into our prepaid card, he doesn't get charged in DR. Of course, the, the merchant has to spend the money that's accrued that's been loaded on his card. And of course, that card can be used online or offline at, at any possible human gateway in the country. And there we act as an issuer. And, and hence, we make good the MDR that we have that we have footed for them at the time of the transaction. On the rentals and the monthly usage fees for our platforms, technology innovation has enabled us to significantly reduce the cost of our terminals. With our, with our line box, our ultra low cost, which allows us to charge just a single one-time fee and pretty much recover our, our cost of acquiring that's worked out well for both us and, and our customers. What would you say is your competitive advantage, especially at a time when you've got formidable players, Pine Labs and Razorpay in the space? Well, I guess we perceive to be in the same space, which is payments. Each of us that, that you blame are operating in, in different segments of the market and solving different problems. The way I look at it, Razorpay, Razorpay wants to be the payment plumbing of the internet. In India, Pine Labs is largely focused on enabling buy now, pay later, and and accelerated credit at at, uh, at checkout. Now that's been their uh, big problem that they've solved, and then they continue to push forward with that. And so I started out with with a very simple proposition. Right, we were serving SMEs in the country accept digital payments, no matter what their customers threw at them. Right, and it started out with cards whether it's cards or QRs or contactless. We help our customers accept all of this with, with ease. And our products and our service is uh, our competitive edge in this segment for, for the customers we serve. Of course, we, we also deliver a wide variety of uh, value-added services on our terminals for our customers, which enables uh, our customers to be able to access the same buy now pay later services that that same HDFC and Pine Labs would, would offer the large retailers. Where we have possibles, which brings credit to our customers, which is uh, which is aggregated by us along with our with our some of our lending partners. So we're we're basically serving the offline SME market in the country that that is a, a, a pretty large problem to solve in terms of financial services. Mm-hmm. Largely and lending. Okay. My last few questions and talk to us a little bit about what are your sort of next plans for MSwipe? Where do you want to be uh, and what's like the next goal? Well, we want to continue to deliver deliver uh, exceptional service to our customers, help them grow by providing them the tools to be able to compete with, with larger businesses uh, that have better access to through technology. It's, it starts with digital payments and, and you know, a whole host of value-added services that we deliver along with our uh, with our digital payments tank to our customers. And that is an ongoing, ongoing product that, that we're committed to deliver to our customers. The second one is, uh, like I spoke about, access to capital. We, uh, we definitely want to continue to grow that, that part of our business. So largely, we're, we're committed to, to, to doing these two, these two or delivering these two large financial services to, to the SMEs in this country. Mm-hmm. But what's also happening is as technology continues to evolve, the line between online and offline being payment starts to grow. We're also helping our offline customers to go online, providing pay-binding service that enables them customers to collect payments from their customers using a payment gateway or to host a microsite very rapidly using the MSwipe Merchant app or to, to be able to use our terminals for simple things like billing, employee attendance, collecting orders from customers, 
helping our customers, you know, and, and get get effect very efficient using using simple uh, tools and products that we provide to our to our increasing customer base. The ambition is for us to, to transition to a bank on that. That is this is the broad path that we're in towards. Great. This is a question that we ask everybody on the podcast. You know, what's your view? And more than view, I think just more about some of the insights that you can share with our audience about uh, the state of the fintech industry in India versus what happened in the rest of the world. The fintech industry in India is, is super competitive, not to say that it isn't in, in different parts of the world, but it, it presents numerous challenges that, that I don't think exist in, in, in many other markets. Right? It starts with, with monetization uh, possibilities, expects you to solve the problem of being able to operate at scale with very, very small margins. That's, that's a tough one to crack. The second one is, is capital seems to gravitate to just, just a few, uh, a few so that are, I don't think our availability of capital is, is deep enough. Third one is, of course, there's so much, so much turbulence, right, and, and noise that it's very difficult to, to, to execute on, on one problem for, for too long, not just because, you know, yes, sometimes the problem just changes because of external, external circumstances. I think if, if you look at what's happened in just the nine years that we've been in business, right? when we started out in this business, the, the predominant way to pay was uh, digitally was, was magnetic stripe cards. Of us launching that transition to, to chip and pin, two and a half years later, you start seeing some UPI and, and, and you know, direct debit to your bank account and using QR codes. Uh-huh. Uh, immediately following that, there's this big surge in contactless payments. So this is constant and rapidly evolving technology landscape uh-huh. uh, that is or has at least in this decade has been unique. I, I don't think we've seen those types of you know very rapid flips in the markets. If you look at look at China Union Pay and then there's been just peer-to-peer and peer to merchant payments using using super apps, right? And that's been a very clean transition. If you look at the US, this they were max stripe and then there was the chip mandate and then they just simply swiftly moved to to, to chip and contactless. And, and these are the mainstream mainstream payment methodologies. India, like I said, is still undergoing an evolution. Right? Of course, a lot of it is is, is, is cutting-edge stuff that, that's you know, the first in the world. But that also causes a lot of constant change and, and headwinds that you have to navigate right. in the market, especially given that the margins don't exist. Mm-hmm. The last, I think the government's fixing of free markets, right, uh, or control of free markets is something that we have not seen in, uh, or at least I haven't seen in, in other countries. Does the, the state dictate that you have to deliver a service at no cost? Yeah. Uh, there's still, still no solution on how you get paid for it and how you, how you make that happen. These are uh, challenges that are unique to India. And I don't think those these kind of conditions exist in, in entirety in any other part of the world. Great chatting with you, Manish. Thank you so much for taking the time out and uh, good luck with all future endeavors, M5 or otherwise. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.